Welcome to Chicago Tabernacle, a place of becoming. Wherever you find yourself, we pray that you would be encouraged today by God's word. Sometimes we can come into a room like this and it's full of people. And by the outward appearance, it would look like, oh, we got plenty of friends and family around us. And yet sometimes you can feel so alone. The choir just sang that song. And to know that he comforts us in our head is one thing. But to believe it in our hearts is another. And you live in a busy city. I live in a busy city. And you could be around all kinds of people all the time and still feel like you're empty. You're lonely. You struggle with that dark cloud that just sits on you. And the enemy of your soul tells you nobody knows what you're going through. Nobody loves you. They sing hallelujah, but they're, they're a million miles from you. And I, I just felt that, Pastor, are you still here? Yeah, come out here, please. I had this thought sitting there. I wonder if there's someone here today that would say, you know, Pastor, I, I, I am really feeling so removed, so isolated. And you'd want prayer specifically before we go any further. I know we have a plan for this meeting, but I'll put it on my heart to say this. So much so that I asked Pastor if he would come and if you're willing to get out of your seat because you're struggling with that kind of loneliness and that kind of depression and that kind of feeling just so alone, I'd like you to make your way up to this altar. And I'm going to ask Pastor just to sing over us, just to sing over us, and then we'll pray. So as he begins to sing the song all by himself. If you want prayer for that specifically, I know it's going to take a little bit of boldness, but I'd like you to get out of your seat and come down here and join me. Could you do that, Pastor? Yeah, that's good. Yeah, come on, some of the pastors are coming and leaders, they're going to place their hand on you and they're going to pray for you. He's my comfort He's my comfort 
we find comfort in your word today that you said you would never leave us. You would never forsake us. You, you told us you are with us always, even to the end of the times. And yet we recognize there are seasons when we're going through a storm and it seems dark. And yet we get our eyes fixed on you and you say peace to the storm. So God, for every single precious man or woman that's come to this altar right now, I'm asking, oh God, that you would sing over them, that you would comfort them, that they would feel your arms around them, that you would hold them, and that you would let them know that they belong to you and you belong to them and that they're special and that you love them and that you came to Calvary's tree especially for them. Bless them, Lord. I curse Satan that would turn anything in their minds that would make them feel inferior or isolated. I curse you, Satan, in the name of Jesus. And Lord, I pray, oh God, that you surround their minds and you surround their emotions, oh God. And Holy Spirit, you fill them from the top of the head to the soles of the feet, knowing, oh God, that they are warriors. They are more than champions. They are champions for Jesus Christ. And they're part of that army that you're raising up. Bless them. Bless them. Bless them, I pray. And fill them with your Holy Spirit. Power from on high knowing, oh God, that you walk with them and you talk with them and you want them to know that they belong to you. And we declare it, we declare it, we declare it in Jesus' name that you are our comforter and we are not alone. Amen and amen and amen and amen and amen. Yeah. Come on, do that, Joe. Let's just applaud the Lord. Hey guys, before you go back to your seat, sister, find a sister, give her a hug. Come on, brothers, find a brother, give her a hug. Come on, come on. The doctors tell us that huggers live longer, so hug each other, hug each other. God bless you. Thanks, buddy. Okay. <laughs> I was supposed to follow the video. Well, we'll do that. Hey, the choir, the singers, musicians, come on, that just doesn't happen. Thank God for them. Thank God for them. For Pastor Chrissy, yeah. Um, I mean, we know the Toledo's forever, and um, it's just something that God has done in this season that um, we can come alongside, and uh, we're so proud of this church and all that you guys have done in a short amount of time. And um, whenever they ask us to come, um, we're blessed. We feel honored about it. And so I'm glad to be here. And God put something on my heart that I want to share with you as if I would share with Christ Tabernacle, um, which may seem, well, he's taking a little bit, um, maybe too much authority. I don't mean to. I just, you know, I'm a pastor. I've been a pastor for 33 years. So, I, you know, shepherding is what I do. And um, so I, I want to speak as a shepherd. I want to speak as concerned for our churches. And I want to talk about revival. I want to talk about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. You know, in Joel 2 and Acts 2, it talks about that in the last days, God will pour out his spirit on all flesh. And I love the word all, because that, that covers ages and genders and, and, and nationalities. That's all. 
And he talks about us, the old and the young, both seeing dreams and seeing visions. And, and, and I, I love reading about it. But would you dare to believe with me that we can see that now? That, I mean, our nation's in a right place for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And the key is in the church. And this is a new year, right? I mean, we're what, uh, seven weeks in? And, uh, and um, we've never been this way before. You've never been this old before. You've never been married, some of you. You've never been married before. You've never had children before. I mean, that's, that's just the way it is. Uh, it's, it's a new year, and God wants to pour new wine into new wineskins. And I want that. I want that more than ever before. And again, I, I'm taking the liberty to talk to you as, as, as a pastor, as Christ's tabernacle, because I want this to happen. I mean, there, there's no two greater cities than Chicago and New York for God to pour out a spirit and to begin to use us in ways like, like we've never seen before. And so I want to talk to you about spiritual revival, those spiritual outpourings of God, those demonstrations of the Holy Spirit that, that just changes things radically. I mean, you know, when the Holy Spirit comes, uh, it's not the same old, same old anymore. Things change. And uh, again, I'm not trying to be political, but you hear and I hear the things that are going on in our nation. It's supposed to be a, a Christian nation, and, and, and God's got to do something quick. And it begins with the church. I mean, it's just crazy what's going on in our nation and not really throughout the world. And yet we got to realize that when God pours out his spirit, as I said, it can get messy. It's just not the same old, same old. God moves in ways that are just um, unnatural. But, I, but I, want, I want the supernatural to become natural to us. We were praying that earlier before. I, I want to believe God to, for signs and wonders. And I don't want to just read about the miracles. I want to see the signs and the wonders and the miracles following our services. I mean, the greatest miracles when people give their life to Christ. I get that. But there are other situations where we see in the scriptures where people were healed and people were delivered and, and things happened and it just caused people to, to rise up and say, there's something special going on over there. I don't know what it is. I'm not sure I understand it, but I can sense it. I can feel it. And listen, by the way, for the record, as I said, I've been pastoring 33 years. I like systems. I, I like things. We know it says in 1 Corinthians 14, 40, that uh, we're supposed to do everything in a fitting and orderly fashion. I get that. We know Jesus was orderly. He had the disciples go prepare the room for the Passover. He just didn't show up. When he fed the 5,000, he said, make sure they're in groups of 50s and 100s and set them on green grass. He had the disciples be like ushers because he, he wanted a system. But when he showed up in, the Acts, in, 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 in Acts 2 in the upper room, things got a little weird. I mean, all of a sudden they're sitting there praying like you're sitting right now, 120 of them, men and women, and all of a sudden they hear a sound. They didn't feel it, but they heard a sound, a sound of a rushing wind. Like, where did that come from? And then all of a sudden, little tongues of fire appeared on their heads. Come on, if you saw someone with a little head of fire, tongue of fire on their head, you'd grab the fire extinguisher. But there's 120 sitting there, and then they began to speak in other languages. Oh, I want God to do that to me because I can't even master English yet. But speak in different languages that people that, that they weren't even trained in, other people that knew those languages understood what they were saying. And so much so, it got so loud that as they were worshiping God at 9 in the morning, people in the street, two floors below, all of a sudden, there's a party going on up there. They must be drunk. And Peter would not let that rumor go around. He went down and says, it is not drunk. It's only 9 o'clock. But what you're hearing is what was prophesied from the prophet Joel. Pour out my spirit. 
So things sometimes go a little sideways. It doesn't go according to the agenda. But I want God to pour out his spirit the way he did in the upper room. I want, I want for our churches to have such a boldness, not an arrogance, not a self-righteousness, but such a holy boldness, a holy conviction to do the things of God. And, 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 and we come to church, and this is, like a, this is a safe zone. I get it. We're here. And then we get in our cars or get home, and on our phones, we hear all this stuff going on throughout the city and our nation, and it can be very discouraging. That's why if the, God will pour out his spirit here in the church, it will affect the nations. And you know, you have to pray for your leaders. We know Romans 13, 1 Timothy 2, 2 says you pray for your leaders. In fact, when Paul wrote that, Nero was on the throne, who was a maniac. So I'm not about what party I'm from. I'm a believer and I'm going to pray for the leaders that, that God allows to sit on the, in their seats of office. But I want to ask God to pour out a spirit in such a way that miracles will happen. And, and, it, and, and it's not dependent on how big the building is or how beautiful the building is or any of those things, as great as they are, as great as they are. The upper room was just a plain old room, and God never told the church to go back to the upper room to experience an outpouring. Wherever they would gather and they would call on the name of the Lord, God would come in a very special way, and then they did things that were miraculous. I do believe the key is with the church and it will affect our nations. Because our nation has really drifted away from what, how it started. Tomorrow's President's Day, right? You don't have that in Chicago? I, I just checked. I know we have it in New York. If we have it in New York, you've got to have it in Chicago. But, you know, we, we hear our history books tell us things about the presidents and about the men and women that govern our country. But they leave out all the, all the godly things because that's not politically correct. The first uh, president of our nation was George Washington, pretty silent about his life, but his vice president was John Adams. He became the second president of the United States. And listen to this. This is what he said. The destiny of America is to carry the gospel of Jesus Christ to all men everywhere. Could you imagine if someone stood on the steps of the White House and said something like that today? All the talk shows that night would laugh at him. Because, you know, it's like, come on, you really believe that. Isn't that very narrow-minded? Well, Jesus did say the road is narrow. But to carry the gospel of Jesus Christ to men everywhere. Do you know they're trying to pass a rule that whenever someone testifies and they swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, they're supposed to leave out, um, um, so help your God? Because God is not cool in the world that we live in. And yet the only reason why America's blessed is because they started out with God. And if they leave God... Well, things are going to happen that we're not going to be so happy about. Another president during the First World War. These are tough times because usually revivals come at tough times. Woodrow Wilson said this, America was born a Christian nation for the purpose of exemplifying to the nations of the world the principles of righteousness found in the Word of God. Word of God. It's amazing how many political leaders uh, uh, swear their oath to allegiance and put their hands on the Bible, but yet... You can't read it. In fact, they're trying to re even replace it with the Koran. This last group of freshman senators that came in, uh, took it, some of them took an oath on the Koran. That's not how America was founded. It was founded on the word of God. I, I'm not getting political. I just want to see how far we've come and how we need a revival. You know, when a body dies and they revive it, it's because it lost its life. But then revival brings it back. That's good. Somebody should tweet that. I thought that was pretty good. FDR, Franklin Roosevelt, one more, right around the Depression and World War II. 
He was paralyzed from the waist down. He hit it pretty well. But he said this, I doubt if there's any problem, social, moral, or political, that could not melt away before the fire of a spiritual awakening. That was a president that said that. One more, he wasn't elected president, but he should have been. He said this, Reverend Martin Luther King Jr. said, America, you must be born again. I love that. He said, went right for the juggler. You can have all the money you want. You can do all this education. But really, what you need is you must be born again. And we're living at a time that it's like, it's aggressively anti-God. It's like, it's just not cool if, if you want to worship God, if you talk about the Lord. Yeah, they give it away for some people. But for the most part, it's just not accepted. And, and, and with all the technology and all the increase of money we have, our world, our nation is more evil more hopeless, more, 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 more confusing than ever before. And so it comes a point where the church, as I said, has the key. And I know you guys, like we did, like most churches, Pastor Paniaga is here. They did it in their church in Belmont. We started the year with a 21-day fast. And church has been doing that for years, and I appreciate that. I hate to fast, by the way. I really don't like to fast. I love to eat, but I hate to fast. But I know fasting is good for me. And like you, we have our prayer meetings. And we use it today for prayer and fasting. I, I, I believe, I can't totally explain it, but I believe when the saints of God, when the sons and daughters of the king turn over their plate and say, God, you know what? I'm going to deny my flesh so that I can spend time with you and you can speak to me. I believe God honors that. And, and, I, you know, and I'm speaking to you, but I'm going back to, going back to Queens and I'm going to tell our church that, you know what? I love what we do in the first month of, of the year, but why are we going to wait another 11 months to do it again? I want God to come. I want to be serious with God. I want to make sure that, that God understands, you know, you know, we can talk about revival, but unless we're serious about it, it's not going to happen. We're just going to talk about it. We're going to read books about it, maybe sing songs about it. But it's the saints of God that got to get busy with it and say, God, I want you to come. Think about this. The first thing Jesus did after he was baptized, Jesus, Emmanuel, the Son of God, fasted. Before he prayed for anyone, did a miracle, Spoke a sermon, prayed. Moses fasted and prayed. Elijah fasted and prayed. We know the saints in the book of Acts, they fasted and prayed. And when they did, things happened. God began to move and God's just waiting for people like us. Yeah, ordinary people to believe God, to do extraordinary things. He's just waiting for people to stand up and say, God, you know what? I want you to come down. In fact, it says in Isaiah, Isaiah 64, oh, that you would rent the heavens and come down. In the day of Isaiah, he realized that people of God were far from God. And he's saying, God, just rent the heavens, just separate them, rip them apart and come down with your power. Come down with your anointing. Come down with your blessing. I, I believe we need that as much as they need in the day of Isaiah. The psalmist wrote this, and I don't believe every Hebrew was saying this, but obviously some was. Psalm 85 says this, will you not revive us again? Somewhere the psalmist understood that there was a revival happening at one point, and things got really incredibly godly, and then all of a sudden it began to wane. You know, if the nature of a fire is to go out, you don't have to do nothing to a fire to make it go out. Just don't add any wood. Well, when it comes to our spiritual fire, the nature of it is to go out unless you add some spiritual wood. 
And so there has to be a hunger and a thirst in us, the people of God, and say, God, would, would you not revive us again? Would you not come down again? And the Bible says that when they pray that, that your people may rejoice. So uh, there's a place for you and I, not under some kind of legalism or, or, or set of works, but a hunger, a thirst. God, come, rent the heavens, revive us again. We know what you did back then, but we know you can do it again. We know you can do it again. And, and, and it's happened in the church. The church had its mountains and its valleys and its high points and its low points. And it always, when we get to the low points, is when the church wakes up and says, God, you got to come. All our fancy sermons and all, all the things that we've been doing, our beautiful buildings, it's, it's not changing anyone. We need you to come down. We need you to bring revival. You know, when the pilgrims first uh, got here, they were very thankful. They spent 66 days on the, on the, on, on the, on the Atlantic Ocean from England to uh, Cape Cod. So I'd be thankful too. I'd be kissing the dirt once I got off that boat for 66 days. Um, but they came and they were very thankful and they began to appreciate the things of God. But they had to get busy. They had to build homes and clear farm, farmlands and build shops. And so they got busy. And what happened when their busyness, the fire of God began to wane. And like today, you know, we have all these great things and tools to our advantage, but if we're not hungry for God, that fire gets away in houses and jobs, which we need, just preoccupy our time. And uh, things get lost. Well, God raised up a young man named Jonathan Edwin that dared to preach the word of God. Not some eloquent type of sermon that just tickled the ears of the listeners, but he dared to bring people to repentance and letting them know that we've grown cold to the things of God. We've gotten lukewarm. And he reminded them of the scriptures in Revelation, when you, grow, when you grow lukewarm, God wants to spit you out of his mouth. That's a pretty nauseating statement. He talked about the church at Ephesus that lost their love. At one time, that was a great church, right? Paul was there uh, for uh, three years, and Timothy, he sent Timothy there to spend time there. And then in 30 years later, Jesus has to tell John, write to the church, they lost their love. It's amazing how quick this could happen. In our lifetime, well, Jonathan preached the word of God and wasn't really worrying about if people liked it or not. And there was a revival. In fact, it was called the Great Awakening, the first Great Awakening. And God sent someone named um, George Whitfield to help him. He came from London and he went to Pennsylvania. And he had one of those powerful voices. No microphones. He just would get up in front of people and speak and thousands of people could hear him. But what's interesting is he didn't preach it in the church because the people weren't coming to church. He went to the fields where the farmers were and, and the herdsmen were. And of course, all the religious elite were very discouraged or very annoyed that he was doing that because they felt when you preach God's word, you preach it in God's house in front of a holy pulpit or holy desk. I get that. I'm all for that. But if the people are not coming, then you go out there. The Bible says go outside and compel them to come in. And so God joined forces there. Then there was a second great, great, awakening, great awakening in Cambridge, Kentucky. And that was so crude. These men, nobody ever know their names, got together and, and called for a, 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 um, a camp meeting out in the woods and just told people, take off a week and just come out. It was hard in those days. It's the 1800s. And they didn't have any of the technology that we have. But thousands came. And then that, that revival from Kentucky began to spread all over the Midwest. And what was so unique about that, as these people came, it didn't last a week, it went for two weeks, by the way. 
And there would be preachers preaching to people, and they, they have recordings that at one uh, written recordings that at one point there'd be seven different preachers preaching seven different sermons and one would be sitting on a standing on a tree trunk one would be standing in the back of a wagon one would be sitting on a horse and one would be talking to the crowd about something over here and another one would be talking to this crowd and so on and so forth where there were seven different groups and then they would just all switch and hear another sermon and they just spent their days praying and, and hearing the word of God and a hunger rose that it went like I said from one week to two Great revivals. In fact, someone said that they've been to Niagara Falls and it sounded like the roar of Niagara Falls. The people were so loud. They were so hungry for God. I mean, loudness doesn't get the attention of God, but sometimes you got to get loud because that's passionate. You know, when you tell someone you love them, you go, I love you. I love you. I love you. That's not loud. But when you say, I love you, they know what you're saying. They appreciate what you're saying. Try it. Oh, you that are married, go home, scream at each other, tell each other you love each other, love one another. 1800s, Charles Finney, up in New York, Elam, New York, Rochester, New York. It's been said, you can read his autobiography, it's been said he visited one of those sewing shops in Manhattan, which were horrible. They were filled with hundreds of women and they would lock the doors and get them to sew all day and pay them nothing, mostly immigrants. And he walked in one time and all of a sudden, all the women were doing their sewing machines. That's when they had to use their feet and they're looking at him. And all of a sudden, a hush came over him. And they began to weep. He never even said anything. And then up in Elam, New York, and Rochester, New York, all the bars and taverns and the gambling saloons, he would come into town and he would begin to preach. And people would actually leave those places. And those places had to close while he was in town. And he had another, another added asset. He had a man named Father Nash wasn't a priest, but they called him father because he had a fatherly demeanor. And Father Nash would always go into the town before uh, Charles would get there and buy, rent a room and just go in there and pray for the anointing to come. Guys, prayer is powerful. And let me encourage you, you need to pray for your pastors, you need to pray for the Toledos, you need to pray for this church. And I would even say, especially on Saturday. Pray that the anointing is there. Pray that people's eyes will open up and they'll see Jesus as, as Jesus reveals himself. Don't dismiss prayer. Listen, you, I think many of you know our testimony, but Marie and I were living in, was, in Mexico doing drugs in Mar. We were living together, reckless lives, and some of our friends began to pray for us. And these were the friends that we left. They were druggies just like us, but some hippie came, and thank God for the hippies, some hippie came and preached to them salvation. They all got saved and started praying for us while we were in Mexico. In, 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 in deep, deep sin. And, and my wife had this burden to go to church when we came back. We were raised Roman Catholic. So I'm thinking she wants to go to Mass. But someone invited us to church that Sunday. We went to church and we gave our lives to Christ. That was 43 years ago. Prayer, prayer is not limited to time zones or, or boundary lines. Prayer is powerful. That's why you need to pray. You need to pray. Another great revival. I'm talking about revivals. I'm talking about maybe there's 50, 60, 70 years in between. But that's because we feel the revival, we get great, and then we begin to wane. 1857, a man named Jer Jeremy Laffield came from Pennsylvania and came to downtown Manhattan, Wall Street. And God put on his heart, have a prayer meeting one hour on a Wednesday. And he gave out leaflets and invited everyone in that area. That's a very busy area if you've ever been there. People are walking all around constantly. And they rented a room in the YMCA. And he got there a little before 12, opened up a folding chair, sat down, his Bible on the floor, and was waiting. 
15, 20 minutes passed, nobody came. That's discouraging. But all of a sudden, about 20 minutes later, he heard feet coming up the steps, and two other men joined him. And that was encouraging. They stayed just one hour. He took the verse where Jesus said, come and pray one hour with me. But next week, next Wednesday, they were back there. And next week, they had about six or seven. And the week after that, they had about 10 to 15. And it gradually would grow, and he would meet every Wednesday. He'd go back to Pennsylvania where he lived, but he'd come back on a Wednesday morning, every Wednesday, 12 o'clock, one hour, and all of a sudden this revival happened down in Wall Street. And it was right around the crash, and people began to pray, and men would give up their lunch hours, women would give up their lunch hours, and it didn't stay to Fulton Street. It began to spread, even came to Chicago. In fact, reports have that when the ocean liners came in from Europe and they would dock on the west side of Manhattan, before they docked, people were getting saved on the ocean line without people even speaking to them. They just had such conviction of wanting to be with God. Yeah, it was amazing. It was amazing. I, I would say this. We pray for Chicago. We know that the Pontiacos are here and the Toledos are here. You guys are here. And listen, I know you have your issues. Big cities have issues. Big cities have issues. I, I want you to pray for New York because uh, our governor just declared that New York City is going to be the abortion capital of the world. That's ludicrous that now you can kill a baby up to late term, nine months, and even as the baby come out, the doctor and mother still have a choice if they want to kill that baby. Remember, Pharaoh did that. Remember, Herod did that in Bethlehem. So we need to pray for one another because our cities are amazing in a lot of ways. But I tell you, it's, it's, it's crazy what's going on. But I'm encouraged because where sin abounds, that much more grace abounds. Amen. Now, let me give you just, let me give you just a, a, a couple of more. In the Civil War, I love this part. You've got to get ready for this part. Worst time in, 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 his, in America's history. More people died in the Civil War than any other time. And in the midst of that, there was a revival. And someone wrote this song. Maybe some of you remember it. Maybe some of you don't. Hallelujah, thine the glory. Hallelujah, amen. Hallelujah, thine the glory. Revive us again. Anybody know that? Nobody. Some of God bless you. You know what? Everybody stand. You're going to learn it now. Stand. Come on, stand. I'm not Pastor Christian, but come on, stand, 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 stand. We're going to do this a cappella. Ready? Don't leave me standing on my own. You better join me. Ready? Hallelujah, thine the glory. Hallelujah, amen. Hallelujah, thine the glory. Revive us. Come on again. Hallelujah. yourself a hand clap. That was really good. You may be seated. But realize some of the words in the midst of the Civil War, revive us again. The author of that song realized there were times when God poured out his spirit. He might have been aware of the first great awakening or the second great awakening. And he realized, God, we're in a terrible place. We got people killing people. We got hatred on a level like we've never seen before. Bigotry and racism. God, you got to revive us. See, God's revival changes everything, guys. You, you got a problem in your home, start praying for revival in your home. You got a problem in your marriage, start praying for revival in your marriage. If you got a, a stalemate in your spirit, say, God, revive me again. Revive me. 
And listen, that you can know, you can pray, that's according to God's will. And anytime we pray according to God's will, we can expect to receive what we prayed for. You're not asking for houses and lands. You're asking for a spiritual awakening, a revival that happened to your spirit. D.L. Moody, come on, you all should know about D.L. Moody, right? He did this urban revival here in Chicago. Wasn't a great speaker, didn't look really good, wasn't real charismatic, but he had an anointing on him. And so many young people got saved here in Chicago. And that spread out. Then there was the Welsh revivals around the same time where young people, and I love this, young people, teenagers, would gather in a church and just begin to sing. And they would sing these songs, these old hymns, and they didn't have all the instruments that we have right now, but they would sing unto the Lord, and God brought revival to Wales. So much so, again, bars were closing, taverns were closing. People would go there, people like G. Campbell Morgan and, and um, William Booth would go to those meetings and they wouldn't even preach. These are great speakers. They would just sit there and listen to these kids sing in Welsh. I don't even know if they understood Welsh, but they just listened to the anointing. Like we felt before, guys. We felt that before. And a leak came over to America and all the people from Wales that migrated to, to New York and Pennsylvania were singing it. Azusa Street. A one-eyed African uh, minister. That was the birth of Pentecostalism, as we know. Back in L.A., God came in a marvelous way, doing things that were amazing. In the 40s, late 40s, the Atlanta Rain Revival, Bill Bright, Campus Crusade Revival, Billy Graham in the late 40s in L.A. Then he came to New York in the mid-50s. You know, he rented at Madison Square Garden for six weeks. They thought that was crazy. His headliner on the marquee outside said air conditioning because nobody had air conditioning then. So that brought them in. He was genius. It didn't last six weeks. It went 16 weeks. Madison Square Garden, in fact, they had to tell the New York Knicks and the New York Rangers to go find another place to pray. Can you imagine that? These are these high-end sports teams. They had to go find another venue because God was working can't we believe that for God to do that? He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Why can't we believe God to do it again? Well, Pastor, our city is too broken. Our country is too broken. I know it's broken. But God is the, is the master of broken things and make them whole. He knows how to take what's broken and make it right. Remember the story in Ezekiel 37 where there was this valley of all busted up bones, had no form or, or fashion at all, was bleached white. And God brought a man of God there and says, what do you see? So I see a whole bunch of dead bones. And he says, do you think they can live? And he says, only you know God. And God said, talk to them. Prophesy to them. Speak to them. Pray that the breath of God will come on them. And all of a sudden, these bones began to get, come together and formed a huge army. I'm crazy enough to believe that if we start speaking over our churches and over our cities and over our nations and over our marriages and over our communities, that God can bring things together that seem busted up and ruined, and God can bring life to them. Because when God's breath comes in something, there's life. God brew breath in Adam in the Garden of Eden when he was dead as a nail. And he became alive. He became alive. You know, America and churches have the ebbs and flows, high points, low points. Well, here's a classic verse, and we'll get to pray now. Second Chronicles 7.14. Second Chronicles 7.14. Ezra wrote this. People of God were not in a good place. They had all the great things going on. They had the temple, and they had the lore, and they had all the sacrifices, and all the vestments, and all the makings of religion. But they were nowhere 
And God tells Ezra to write this down. If my people, my people, my people, church people, believers, Christians, if my people who are called by my name, if you're a Christian, you're called by the name of God, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face. That just means spending some time with God, being intentional. Maybe you got to get up a little earlier. Maybe you got to stay up a little later. I mean, we all have 24 hours. Nobody has any more or less than anyone else. You just got to be intentional about setting some time and praying, God, bring revival, bring revival, bring revival. And what I love about this, you could be alone. You don't need a whole group of people to do it with. It'd be great if you found somebody else because the Bible says if two agree on anything, and we could do it by phone now or Skype or if my people call by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Wait, you mean there are believers that have wicked ways? Well, probably not here in Chicago, but back in New York, yes. Yes. Racism, competition, immorality. It's nothing it's so difficult as, as leaders, as pastors, you see people in church on a Sunday and they're worshiping their hands up, loving God, tears coming down their face. And then you find out they've been in an adulterous affair for two years. It's heartbreaking. But God, you know, God's mercy, man, it's, you can't tap it out. It's just incredible. Turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, promise, and will forgive their sin and heal their land. What's the answer to our churches? What's the answer to America? What's the answer to our families and our homes? we got to just seek God, turn from our ways that we know are wrong, and watch God do what only God can do. We can't bring life. God can. He's the author and finisher of life. And the book of Acts speaks time and time again about God just doing incredible things, shaking buildings. And they didn't have Bibles like us or buildings like us. And I'm not talking about these little wimpy gay hayside prayers where they sound religious, but there's no life. I'm talking about the Elisha prayers that you're willing to get on your face, go eye to eye, mouth to mouth, hand to hand with the situation and pray and not give up until something happens. Until something happens. And here's the great thing. The Bible says God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. The Bible says that he's able to do immeasurably more. <laughs> I love that word. Those you can't measure it. No, no matter how much you can think, with numbers you can't ever compute the magnitude of God's ability to do for us, even on a computer. Immeasurably more, meaning it can't be measured. He's just looking for some people that would say, God, rent the heavens and come down. Rent the heavens will come down. Can I ask you all to stand, please? 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 In a moment, we're going to dismiss you. And just we're going to believe God to do a great thing. But before, before I pray for all of us, in fact, I'm going to ask Pastor Dave to pray. Could you just close your eyes for a moment, please? And, and just maybe there's someone here that you're not in the place that you should be with God. And you want to give your life to Christ. And I don't, I don't want anybody to leave here who might be on the fence, so to speak. Um, I told you about me and Maria. That was 43 years ago. It was on a Sunday. And I realized God doesn't just save you. He keeps you. And so maybe you're, you're not aligned with God like you should. You know, one of the things that God asked Adam when he kind of 
got out of the way and sidestepped God was, where are you? And God knew where he was. God wanted Adam to realize where he was. And Adam realized, man, I'm not where I should be, God. Maybe there's someone here that you know, you know what, I'm, I'm not aligned, I'm not where I should be. I just wanna pray a simple prayer for you. All I want you to do with every eye closed, every head bowed, just lift up one hand. Lift it up and you can put it down, up and down. Good, good, up and down, up and down. After I pray for you, after this meeting ends, you know what, you need to go back to that area where you can uh, meet some of the pastors and, and just let them know. They're not gonna interrogate you. Just let them know so that they can follow up on you so you stay with this journey with the Lord. Lord, every hand that went up, every hand that went up, God, you know where they are, you know everything about them and you love them, you died for them. And I pray you take away any guilt and condemnation or wrong teaching and reveal your love and mercy to them. Let them know that they're valuable, God. Let them know you want to use them. They're trophies of grace, modern day miracles. And God, I just pray, oh God, for them. I dedicate them to you and I just ask that they would continue to walk with you all the days of their life. In Jesus' name. Now, I firmly believe that what God did back then, he can do again. And we're going to pray for revival. And I've asked the team to come out and sing this song because I want your faith level to rise. I want it to go to a place it's never been before. I want you to dare to believe God that God is going to come down with a rain of fire and a rain of his power like never before. And it's going to happen to you. It's not somebody else that's going to happen to you. It's going to happen in this church. God's going to pour out his spirit in ways like we can't even imagine. So as they begin to sing, why don't you just elevate your hands and lift up your eyes and look to the hills where your help is going to come and call out to God. Call out to God. I believe I'll see you do it again. challenge to us and he said in the beginning that really his objective is to raise the bar and I just feel so strongly in my spirit that today God wants to raise your expectation of what he can do in your life you know revival is something that happens corporately but it's also something that happens individually and 
Um, revival, there's something else that happens in revival. You see, I, I, I feel like the expectation in the room right now for most of us is that, well, when I do this, then, then God will change this in my life. Or when I, when I, when I start doing this, then God will do X, Y, and Z in my life. And, and there's a process and, and, and you know, that's true. The Bible says that, that we reap what we sow and, and, and that's, that's very true. But one thing that happens during revival is that there's an expediation that takes place. There's a, there's a process that's brought from A to Z very rapidly. There was times when, when uh, Charles Finney, who, who pastor mentioned, he would come into a place and the town would, most, most of the people in the town didn't want him to come. They would be actually opposed to him. And there would be half of the people in the room would be wanting to hear what he said. And half of the people in the room were so angry that they were, they were about ready to mob him. That's how, that's how controversial he was because so many things were happening. And he would come into those places and in one, in one hour's time, the hearts of people in that room, they immediately changed and their mindset was totally and drastically changed for forever. I believe that God wants to do something miraculous in your life. It's not gonna take 50 years for you to become a man and a woman of God. It can happen today. It can happen today. Listen, I wanna read this to you. In Amos chapter nine, verse 13, this is a prophecy speaking about the the days that we live in. It says this, Behold, the days come, said the Lord, that the plowman shall overtake the reaper and the treader of grapes, him that sows seed. And the mountains shall drop sweet wine and all the hills shall melt. What does that mean? That the plowman, the person that's sowing the seed, is going to be overtaken, meaning the reaper comes to reap the fruit of the sower. But it's going to be happening so quickly that the minute that the person is sowing the seed, the person that comes to reap the fruit is catching up with them. Because the sower can't sow seed fast enough, God is producing fruit that takes place quicker than the eye can see. I believe that today God wants to awaken things in your heart and some of you are in the room and you're not believing yet. That's okay, we still have time. You're not believing yet what God can do in one moment. But I believe that right now, today, today God is putting a stop. He's saying, hold on, look at your life again. Look at what I'm doing. Look at my power. Don't look at your capabilities. Look at my grace. Don't look at your past. Look at what I have in store for you because I'm going to do something new in your life. So I just believe that, you know what? Today is a different day. You might have been to a hundred altar calls in the past and God did things in your life, but today is a different day. God wants to expedite your growth. God wants to miraculously bring you from point A to point Z. He wants to bring you to a new place. Come on, can we believe that together? Come on, lift up your hands. We're gonna pray and I want us to sing this song. I want this song to be a declaration that God, you're gonna do it again. If you did it in Charles Finney's time, you can do it in my day. If you did it for Jonathan Edwards, you can do it for me. If you did it for George Whitfield, if you did it for the Apostle Paul, if you did it for all of them, what's the difference between God moving right now?
oh God. We pray right now over fear and doubt. We rebuke it in the name of Jesus. We believe, oh God, Lord, that marriages are gonna be restored today. We believe, oh God, that people are gonna come to know you today. We believe, oh God, that sin is gonna be broken. Lord, sin that might have had its grasp on us for 30 years today, it will be broken in the name of Jesus. We pray for an expediting of what you're doing in our lives, oh God, that we might see a move of God in our day. We pray, oh God, Lord, for those that have been running from the ministry that you've called, I pray that today would be the turnaround day in the name of Jesus. For those that have been running from their gifting, from just using what you've placed in their hand, I pray against fear. We pray, oh God, an awakening in the name of Jesus. An awakening in the name of Jesus. We pray for the people, oh God, that have been on our prayer list for years. We pray by your spirit, go to them, oh God. Go to them as you did, Pastor Durso, oh God. Go to them and save them on the spot, we pray in the name of Jesus. We ask, oh God, Lord, to do something new and fresh. We repent of small thoughts, God. We repent of small thoughts. You're bigger, oh God. Your plans are greater than what we can imagine. Your plans go beyond what we can understand or comprehend. Your goodness is better than our goodness and your grace is better than our grace. Your love is bigger than our love. God, we pray for an outpouring of your presence and an outpouring of your glory on us that we might be able to operate in the fullness of who you've called us to be. Hallelujah. I want you to grab the hand of the person next to you. This is so important. You know, we need each other. I want you to pray and I want you to declare over the person next to you that God has more for them that there's more for them, that there's revival for them, that a revival is available to them. It's an invitation. The heavens are open. You don't have to beg God. He wants to do it. You just ask and open your heart and he will bring revival. You just get on your face and you say, God, do something new in me. Here am I, God. Here am I, God. Use me. Come on, begin to pray to the right and to the left and declare over them who God says they are, not who they see themselves to be. Hallelujah.
Hallelujah, God, we receive your report over our lives, oh God, and we reject the report of the enemy, oh God. As Pastor Durso prayed, we agree, oh God, the enemy's voice, we rebuke it, we shut it down in the name of Jesus. Your plans for us are better than what we could have imagined. Your thoughts of us are higher than what we thought of ourselves. Lord, we pray, oh God, for new grace, new authority, new power, new anointing, new giftings, oh God, to be distributed even now as we speak, oh God. Gifts of healing, gifts of prophecy, gifts of encouragement, gifts of service, gifts of teaching, gifts of preaching. Hallelujah, gifts of service, oh God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Do a new work in us, oh God. Hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. Come on, can we sing that part today? That part together, your promise still stands? Your promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness. Your faithfulness I'm still in your hands This is my confidence You never fail Your promise is death Great is your faithfulness Your faithfulness that promise you never fail you never fail your promises are yes and amen you said oh God when two or more gathered anything that you'll ask in my name and I will do it and I will be there We ask for revival, God. Revive us, God. Revive our city, God. Revive our schools. Revive our government, oh God. Revive our churches, God. Revive our churches, oh God. Revive every church in Chicago, Jesus. Oh God, may the, may the pulpit burn with fire, God. We pray for Belmont Assembly, oh God. Revive Belmont Assembly, oh God. We pray, oh God, for Chicago Tabernacle and Christ Tabernacle, oh God. Revive us, oh God. We pray, oh God, Lord, for Calvary. We pray, oh God, Lord, for Harvest. We pray for Willow Creek, oh God. We pray for Bethel, oh God. We pray in the name of Jesus, every church that preaches the gospel, awaken them, oh God. Do a deeper work, oh God. Do it again, do it again. May the wells that D.L. Moody dug here, oh God, May they spring forth in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, awaken our hearts, oh God, and awaken our lives. God, we wanna be awake. 
Hallelujah. God, as you promised us in Amos, oh God, may the reaper overtake the sower. We want to see, oh God, the wine of heaven dripping down, oh God. We want to see the mountains melt, Jesus. All opposition gone in the name of Jesus. So Lord, we pray over every, every heart here. I pray, oh God, draw them close to you. May they not lose heart. Lord, even though times are hard, we pray, oh God, Lord, for a bigger and a harder resolve in us, oh God, that we might set our hearts to pray and to seek your face. And Lord, we are gonna turn to you so that you will turn and heal our land, oh God. God, we love you, we worship you, and we give you praise and honor. We put you at the highest place, oh God. The name above all names. We worship you, we adore you, we give you praise. Come on, can we give him one more shout of praise? Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, amen and amen. Listen, can I tell you something? I wanna encourage you this week, get close to your Bible. Get close to your Bible, open it up and let it feed you and let it change you. Let the presence of God wash you and spend time seeking his face. Amen. Amen. God bless you. We'll see you on Tuesday.